Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by the CEO of WorkIs, Didi Azaria. Didi has co-founded SciSense and now serves as CEO at WorkIs. WorkIs enables small field service businesses to triple their profitability by outperforming larger competitors using AI, bots, and unified communication technology. Didi has been building business infrastructures from the ground up for over 15 years driving long-term growth by building successful teams and training exceptional managers. His experience includes attracting, managing, training, and retaining inside sales talent with a focus on defining the sales cycle process to day-to-day management of sales operations. We are pumped to have such a creative and entrepreneurial-minded guest. So, Didi, my new friend, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. How are you? Good, my man. So, we took our crack understanding a little bit of your context and what you've what you've been up to but in your own words where did work is come from uh well it's a long story i'll, I'll make it short for everybody so you're not gonna get uh, bored uh in general i was a locksmith about 20 years ago in in chairman ox la lousy locksmith uh <laughs> but yeah you know i had i had to do something so i, I started as a locksmith you know, driving around, doing house, home lockouts, car lockouts, etc. Um, I gave up doing that after a few months. Uh, I'm just not such a good, uh, I guess, uh, handyman. Uh, <laughs> and, and shifted more in towards the, the entrepreneurial world in, in, from, from the tech uh, side, so software and so on. Went studying computer science, did my degree and, uh, and, and co-founded a company called Sysense. A super successful company, one of the leading BI companies in the world. Mm. Um, 13 years later, I'm, I, I'm helping a lot of startups. Met two guys from San Diego. Uh, they were locksmiths, apparently. Super successful ones. Sold their business in a lot Wait, of money. Are you being serious? Yeah. They, they were also locksmiths before? Yeah. And they <laughs> decided to create a software for locksmiths. Wow. So they asked for help. I mean, I'm, I'm helping a lot of startups around the world. So they asked for help. I, I, I gave them, you know, my, my two cents on everything. They succeeded, succeededly implemented what I suggested and they came back and they came back again. So we fell in love. Uh, <laughs> and, and you basically take the, the lousy locksmith and the successful locksmith and the okay entrepreneur or software entrepreneur. And I'm not sure I'm such, such great, but I'm not as bad as other people in that so i was successful let's say let's face it yeah and and the combination was pretty good i mean it was a good marriage so we fell in love and we've decided to take this small bootstrap we had a couple of hundreds of clients back in the days and start a startup journey basically getting some investments and you know roll the business in the more of a hyper growth mode what was what was the business though like what what were, what was the problem you all were solving so these guys were uh, were locksmiths, but basically they created a, a business with a lot of technicians in the entire West Coast. And how they grew their business was basically what everybody knows today, right? So you do uh, AdWords, Google, and so on. 
but in order to understand which ad is 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 doing better, they had to hold different phone, uh, different physical phones in their pockets. So basically, if the red phone is calling, it's that ad. If the yellow phone is calling, and, and, and so on. This is how they measured before. You know, it was pre pre analytics times. Wow. And they managed to figure out what brings them most business uh, using super physical, you know, uh, experience. And they wanted to take this into the next step. So they started as a small phone company, I would say, helping other businesses to understand where advertisements are coming from. And then more and more requests were coming from, okay, I want to make it a job. I want to create a schedule. I want to get paid and so on. So it became a CRM over time. Now, is, is work is still primarily focused on like the locksmith industry or has it grown to different industries? So it's, it's grown to uh, like 10, 20 different industries. Like field service in general is huge. It's one of the largest businesses in the U.S. today. So, sure. Uh, some may say it's about $500 billion altogether per year. So, of course, it's salaries, cars, you know, hardware and so on. But in general, one of the biggest businesses uh, right after real estate. And just imagine, I mean, you, you just told me, right? So you buy a house once and you fix it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, a, a leakage or whatever. You need somebody to do your carpets and, and a plumber to fix the actual leakage and so on and so forth. <clears throat> There's so much money invested into a house after you bought, bought it. And this goes to this, this great uh, industry, which holds about five, six million different uh, businesses today. Wow. So field, field service in general, but, uh, but locksmith, we started as locksmiths and then we moved to carpet cleaning and plumbing and HVAC and junk removal is really big for us. It's all these industries that uh, we consider is on demand. So again, like like the the example you gave me, uh, I had a water leakage. We had to we had to get it fixed immediately. Otherwise, we don't have anywhere to live. Yep. So you call somebody and you want them right now. Think about your experience. You look for somebody to fix it right now, and you were, were a little stressed, uh, uh, oh, to yeah. say the least, right? Yeah. So this is this is the industry we're serving. We're serving the on demand or the emergency. Uh, whether it's a house lockout or cockroach in on the bed in my, my you know case or a leakage in, in, in your case and all yeah. these cases are emergency so these businesses are not planning ahead of time and they need us because we're the fastest tool out there to take a phone call and make uh, and make a job out of it this mm. is what we specialize on mm. so it's a unique crm for on-demand uh, service teams amazing now was it that clear because that's a really i love that that's a v- really clear service and an obvious problem in a sense that you're solving was it that clear at the beginning or did it take some some morphing and some pivoting to to wind up in that a lot of iterations and uh, i mean i i I meet a lot of startups all the time say how how do you do that i mean i don't do that i just evolve it's it's getting better and better and you pitch and you, you rehearse and you rehearse until you get the idea of what what works for you and what's not i mean it's all about testing understanding, learning, and fixing a little bit. It's fine-tuning. You don't, you don't need to change too much. And when you get it, suddenly the business starts rolling uh, like crazy. What were you initially, what were you and your co-founders right about? Meaning, if we're iterating on the <laughs> things we're wrong about, you obviously were right about something. That, I guess, were you right that there's a need here, that this could be better? What were some of the assumptions you made that you, you were right about, even if the expression has changed? 
that um, every every job starts with a communication that is usually a phone even today. So we have chatbots and email and all these things. But when you have a crisis, you you call somebody. Mm. You don't give a damn about any chatbots or anything like that. You want to call somebody, you want to hear somebody. And guess what? I mean, from our data, 50% of the times the, the service person will not answer. They're busy, they're sleeping and so on. So you're going to call somebody else. This is immediate. Yeah. This is the immediate action afterwards. So once realizing that, we, we implemented an entire phone system within our software. So no call is left behind. Wow. Yeah, man. I was thinking about when you talk about chatbots. I've only used a chatbot one time in my life, and it was because it was something as simple as my TV wasn't connecting to the Internet. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do a chatbot for this. Everything else, if it's, if it's more important, i got to talk to somebody. I need to know that they exactly. know exactly what I'm saying, and they understand the problem I'm going through. And, you know, that is interesting. What was that first year like for the company? Shitty. <laughs> I mean, I will always say that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a crazy optimist, but at the same time, uh, it's never as good as I want it to. So, uh, I mean, you need to be there as a CEO, I guess. You need to be super optimistic, but at the same time, we could be like 10 times better. Otherwise, you're not a real CEO. And uh, challenging because you need to compete with crazy big companies. Uh, mm. Some of them, you know, it's, uh, I mean, uh, Salesforce was one of them. I mean, we're, we're not really competing with them, but at least people are comparing you. Right. And Service Titan is another company. Yeah, yeah. Service Titan is another company, super successful company that's, you know, always comparable. Uh, you had to chase features. And that's something you don't want to do as a, as a company. But in field service specifically, if you don't have enough features, nobody's going to buy you. I mean, mm. you, you only need one feature uh, that the plumber needs and you don't have, they're not going to buy you. So there is a constant chase uh, after features and, you know, fulfilling their, their, uh, their needs. Uh, and at the same time, you need to build a business that is efficient. I mean, when you sell to a plumber, it's not like selling to a high-tech company like I've done before. So a high-tech company would, would pay you at least 30, 30K per year, 100K per year. Yeah. So you're willing to invest a lot. It's called CAC, basically, Customer Acquisition Cost. My previous uh, job at SciSense, I mean, twenty, thirty thousand dollars acquisition cost is not such a bad thing. Wow! In, in this business, uh, more than a few hundred bucks acquisition cost is is a dead, death wish for, for the company. So, how do you change all these mindsets into a very you know efficient uh, model? How do you bring cheap leads? What kind of crazy things you do in advertising in order to make uh, make this sustainable? Yeah, that's where my question was going to go next. When you are the new person in an industry and somewhat even innovating in an industry, but you're not a household name, you're not Salesforce or something like that, how do you break into to a market like that? How do you get people to pay attention to you and take a chance on you? It starts with differentiation and, and everything starts with, with uh, the idea, the name, and, and the product is last, actually. So it's mm. mostly marketing and buzz and brand. So uh, we, we, the name was Send a Job which was a good name but didn't mean anything for most of our customers so we look we look for a name that is more uh, uh, sexy i guess but in the same time uh, if if you read it uh, it means something to you so in our case it was workies and, and the brand company added easy why because everybody was speaking about how easy it is to use mm. Uh, so work is easy and, and you can play with this, this name in many ways. I mean, 
work is challenging, work is sophisticated, no, work is easy, or oh, whatever, right? Uh, coloring, uh, color, the coloring of, or the color of the, of the company is, is more like Caterpillar. So heavy machinery, uh, very mm. reliable, very, uh, DeWalt, I think, have the same uh, colors. Mm-hmm. So it was chosen not just because of these companies, of course, but also because uh, we want to create differentiation. So most of other companies are blue and green and, you know, light colors. We wanted a very strong color. That's why the yellow was uh, selected. Yellow is, is a color of, of, uh, of uh, you know, hardware, usually in, in when, you, when you work in, in this industry. Uh, it's a risk or danger color. It's a good color. You don't want to, you know, touch, a, touch any of the machinery in that way. So all these are, it's a lot of psychology, uh, psychology thing and people actually like the name and even with, with the pronunciation, I mean, it's work is, it's work is, it gives us, you know, uh, something to talk about. Yeah. Now, was this something that you stumbled across as being important or something that you had already learned and thought, I'm going to be very first thing I've here. done. The first thing I've done, changing the, the color scheme, the name and, and the, the, and the message, I guess was super critical because otherwise you're like everybody else. Mm. I mean, creating a CRM, let's face it, it's not that challenging. I mean, you can have all the features in the world, but nobody knows about them when they, when they see you. What do they see? They see how professional you are. Is this a slick website or a very old-fashioned website? They read your, your, you know, your tagline, your message, and they say, okay, can I, can I, can I work with this or not? Is it for me or not? And you decide all these things in a few seconds, friction of, of, of a time. Wow. And then if you don't have a strong enough color or the name does not resonate with what you do, you basically lost a lead. And again, leads are costing a lot of money these days. Yeah. Man, I know that's a, that's a lesson I'm still learning for, for me and my business is I naturally value the product most. You know, so I'm a, I'm a coach by trade. I, 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 I think in terms of what problems I want to solve and what's, you know, things we can offer. And then I'm like, yeah, and, and everything else shouldn't matter, you know? But as I started my business, I started to realize like you're talking about, there's, this is important. First impression is important. Um, ease of understanding what it is that you do. And like you said, even your name work is easy connects really quickly. Like, well, I'd like work to be easy. I'd like, you know, this part of my business to be easy. Um, so that's, it's amazing that you've got that, that clarity on that. Uh, it makes me think of another question for you. I know you're in Tel Aviv right now from Israel. Uh, moved. When did you move to the States? Um, I mean, I never moved to the state. I'm basically going back and forth. So even when you're a locksmith in California, it was still uh, no, no, just no. part of... I was, no, no, that was, that was 20 years ago, uh, right before 9-11, I think. Uh, okay. So yeah, 20, 20 plus years ago. Okay. So I moved to the States. I, I, lived in, I lived in LA for a year. So there may not be any big difference, but I, I am curious. Do you find yourself thinking about your approach or uh, way of thinking about business differently than you encounter someone who's maybe born and raised in America versus how, you know, your background or where you've come from? In some ways, I mean, there, there are less difference, uh, differences today between the American culture and Israel culture. Israel is trying to be more like America uh, these days. Uh, so so it's, it's, it's more vague. Um, Israelis are more risk takers. I mean, mm. we're, we're not afraid to lose. And we will probably going to take the extra step. In many cases, we'll fall off a cliff. But 
this is this is what we do. I mean, I think it's part of the culture here to constantly uh, push the edges on almost everything. It starts from, I guess, defending this small land, and it's continuing to work towards. It's it's super challenging to work, to to live in here. I mean, it's not just yeah. wars or or whatever. Um, it's finding a good job. It's finding education. Everything is is super challenging here, and when you live in such an environment, you you push yourself to limits in almost everything you do. Like mm. I want to date this girl, and she's more beautiful. I want to date her. That's one way of looking at it, and and startup life is is another way of looking at it. I want to be. Uh, I, I want to be. I, I just. I don't want to be just rich. I don't want to have a lot of money. That's not the goal. The goal is to be successful. The goal is to look at other people and say, "I want to be more successful than them." And we push ourselves to the limit in that uh, sense. What does success mean to you? If it's not just how much money you have, what does it mean to be successful? Helping as many people as I can, hmm. making the lives of as many people as I can comfortable and uh, fulfilling, and giving them the time. Specifically in my industry, when when you work in field service, you work almost twenty four seven giving them the time to spend home with their family and friends. It's something that is, I mean, when you work eight to five, most normal people, that's what they do. They don't realize where locksmith is done with his day to day. He's going home to doing, to do invoices and, and estimates. And the day just starts. And that's a huge difference. And if I can automate all this, I'm going to give this person his life back and his, this family, their life back. Yeah, I worked, uh, I coached the CEO of a of a local company a few years back who, who they did, they were an electrician, um, a local electrician that had several vans out servicing people. And that was the hardest part for him was that it's a, they actually do a lot of business, but it's a small shop, you know, it's, it's kind of a small team and he's handling all of it, you know, and it, he was threatening to burn, you know, feel just burnt out from all the things he was taking care of himself. So I can totally see how your business would be such a relief if you could just automate this for them or, you know, take care of some of the, the incoming, you know, calls and all that kind of stuff would be huge for them. And it's not, you know, the, the robot, uh, robot uh, or autonomous uh, revolution. We're not, we're not trying to be there right now. I mean, maybe in the next few years. But it's st- simple and stupid things. I mean, you know how many people in this industry forget to, to uh, you know, get paid? I mean, did you ever forget to get paid? They do. Yeah. Because they're <laughs> super busy. And, you know, you start your day at 8 a.m. And, you know, at 5 p.m. you forget who you were at. And they didn't pay you. They just, you know, you need to send them an invoice. And, man, you just forgot about 300 bucks. And this is what 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 makes your 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 life good or low or, or miserable yeah so if the system can take care of that of reminders or, or whatever it makes your life easier one of the things that we talked about in the intro was the success you've had with building high performing teams and having great managers and having you know really quality people that perform well for your company what has been some of the keys to doing so so it's it's all about people. I mean, you, you need to see the person behind uh, the job and the performance. It's it's seeing behind what they say. I mean, mm. 
I wouldn't say to be their psychologist, but in many ways to understand there is a person behind uh, numbers. And each person can be successful in their own way. There are no copycats. It's super challenging to create copycats. Mm. So how can you take a person and make them the best that they can be? So to put them in their best uh, shape. This is, I think, the magic in, in being a good manager and hiring and training good, good managers and good employees. Most of the first employees I ever had are now VPs and CEOs of companies. It means a lot to me. I don't think I'm the only one who is responsible for their journey, but I definitely pushed each and every one of them to their limits. Mm. And I took them off their comfort zone. And I think that it's very uncomfortable to not be in your comfort zone, but it is the only way to be successful. And I, I'm trying to teach that to every manager and employee that I'm, I'm hiring and working with that if right now you feel uncomfortable, that's a good thing. You're in a learning phase. Your brain is adjusting to a new, a new normal. And if this is going to be a new normal, guess what? You are super successful. Mm. Can you think of any, any examples of ways that you stretch somebody or made them intentionally uncomfortable? Yes, I have an example from today, so it's easy. But... <laughs> <laughs> We almost have 100 employees, so it's happening almost on a daily basis. I'm really connected with, with everybody, not just uh, managers. Uh, but uh, I have uh, a student that she's doing a moonshot project. Uh, doesn't matter which project, but it's, it's a super complicated project that uh, uh, I'm, I, I gave her and I thought she, she's good enough to do that. But she got to a point that she needs to start selling the project to field service people. It's, it's She's not taking any money. It's a free. It's a free product, but still, selling something, even if it's for free, it's it's not easy. Apparently, for people who never, whenever salespeople, she she was challenged by by the fact that uh, I I asked her to call people and say, okay, this is what we've done, this is what we offer you. It's a great opportunity, and guess what? It's free. And she couldn't get to call them for a few days. So uh, every day I'm, I'm heading to her desk and asking, okay, how many people you spoke with today? So none. What do you mean? None. I, I didn't feel so comfortable. So we were rehearsing. And then another day and another, another none. So I, I didn't, I, I'm not getting yet. I said, okay, stop everything we do. Let's, let's go for a walk and talk. This is what I usually do. This is how I do sports. I'm taking my employees and, and do walk and talks. And we start doing role plays and I pushed her to a limit. I saw she, she's not comfortable with selling. So I said, okay, what do, what do you like to do? Okay, I like to do TikToks. Okay, I'm a Snapchat guy. I'm not a TikTok guy. Sell me TikTok. And she did a terrific job. I said, okay, think about that phase and, and transform it to what you're trying to sell, the project. And she did a pretty good job. Mm. But okay, again and again and again and again, I saw she was like off her, uh, uh, her comfort zone. She hated me that second. I, I know she hated me that second. <laughs> but guess what? At the evening, she did like seven calls. Two of them were successful. And she feels super comfortable right now to call people and sell them the free project she was working for the last six months on. So imagine that. A person is working for six months and cannot bring themselves to... To, to sell the project to somebody else. Yes. So, and, and yesterday I saw she, she started reading a sales book. I didn't recommend that. But this is exactly, she, she took her 
perspective on, on whatever she was doing and shifted a little bit. Now she's feeling comfortable to learn a new skill. That is super important, by the way. Everybody should learn how to sell. Yeah. This is how you get, this is how you get raised. Yeah, absolutely. Tell yourself. Well, I was just going to, I wanted to ask about that next because I feel like you have some great insight into helping people be successful at the very least sales. And sales is so challenging for most people. It's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And it feels, I don't know, I think there's a lot of emotions. That's my take. We, we, it stirs up a lot of emotions in, the, in sales. How do you help people get unstuck or overcome some of those and, and, and be actually good and natural at it? So first, there is, uh, there is a common say that, uh, that you already have a no. So why wouldn't you try? I mean, without calling, you already have a no. Mm. Worst case, you're going to keep with, with the same no. So that's usually comfort people. Another way is, again, it's, it's a lot of cliches, but it works. Yeah. Uh, that you need to get at, at least 10 no's to get a yes or whatever number you have. I mean, so try to get no's instead of try to get yes. It, it makes you feel much more comfortable. I know I'm going to get no, so I'm waiting for the next no, next no. And eventually you're going to get a yes. Mm. Um, asking people to stand. Sitting is not good for anybody. When you stand, the energy is just popping out, uh, out of you. And I'm trying to make them as I, as I did with, with this employee to think about things that they're good at, passionate about, and try to transform it to whatever they're selling. So this is how I sell a toilet paper, a pen, or, or a car, or a million dollar deal. It's the very same thing because everybody yeah. looks for value. How do you bring that value? How do you sell yourself? How do you sell your professionalism? Because this is what people buy eventually. They don't buy a car. They buy a guy who told them how amazing this car is for them, realizing yeah. that they have two kids and a dog. And the dog will have super comfort, uh, comfortable uh, seat over in their in their back uh, seat. These kind of things, you know, what makes a good salesperson? They listen, they absorb, and they say only the things that are relevant to the prospect. Not all the features, not all the benefits. Nobody cares about that. This is how we train people to sell, and more importantly, this is how we train. I train people or friends how to sell themselves to their next employee or how to get a raise. How do you get a raise? You don't say, I'm deserve, I deserve a raise. Nobody cares about that. Yeah. Bring a business case. Say, what, what have changed since you got there? Bring numbers, not feelings. And once you do that, it's easier to give you a raise. Yeah, especially if you can sell me on why, why giving you more money is going to make me more money, right? Exactly, so if you're able to exactly. Be able to sell me on the raise, and it's it's easy, right? Now, something you said that I think is interesting to held together. I'd never thought about this, but when you mentioned she liked TikTok, you like Snapchat, sell me on TikTok. She went from someone who felt unnatural in sales to all of a sudden probably being very natural in that moment, just and very pushy and very pushy. Hmm. And and pushy is good. I mean, and she she was pushy in a good way because she didn't give up. Yeah. Like some of the, one of the magic in sales, in good salespeople, they don't hear any no. A no is just, um, it's just a phrase that somebody said because they didn't understand what you said. So you need to rephrase. Yeah, yeah. You must not have heard me yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. Let, let me yeah. explain that again. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be a life changer, game changer to you. Don't you want to change your life? No, I don't yeah. want to. I understand. So you want to be miserable. 
yeah, I want to be miserable. Okay, I understand. But what about what your wife? Does she wants you to? And and then you play with you know you play yeah. the game. Yeah. Of course, you're not gonna sell to everybody. But as right. long as you play the game, you're gonna sell to more and more people, and, and it's gonna be much easier. Yeah. Well, what I like about that is just recognizing because I work with I've worked with salespeople before where they feel like I'm just not a good salesperson. I'll never be. I'm like, well, first off, why are you already putting the I will never? Just because you're not great at it now has no bearing on whether you will be great at it in the future. And I like what you're saying because we could look at maybe another area of their life that they're a great salesperson, but they don't ever think about it as sales. Like, if you convinced me to go see a movie, you did a great job at sales. If you exactly. told me about a restaurant <laughs> and now I go to that restaurant because you were raving about it and the experience you had there, well, then I went to that restaurant. You did a great job of sales. So can we bring the natural passion for this? Or maybe you need to take time to find your excitement about the product so that you can share genuinely with it. But this, or just sell something else. Or <laughs> if sell something you're not else. excited, if you're not excited about the product, you're probably not in the right place. I mean, you need to enjoy your, your job. Yeah. But tell me the second thing I wanted to bring up and get some more insight from you on is you talked about the importance of listening, listening to the customer. So we're not just coming out of the gate, sharing with all the features when we're excited about this, but listening to the customer, knowing what to share, what not to share, that's also a skill, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you need to be more of a psychologist than, uh, than uh, I don't know, a car salesman. No disrespect, I love car salesmen. Uh, but a psychologist listens and says very little. Uh, and when you, when you listen, you usually uh, take a deep breath. When you take a deep breath, it allows you to think. What happens when you speak? You don't have any oxygen. You don't have any oxygen at all. What happens when you have no oxygen? Your brain doesn't work. Very simple. Yeah. Okay. So you, you say stupid things. You, you, you don't process anything. And when you stop and breathe, it allows you to absorb and say one word. It's usually going to solve or get you to the next step. Uh, it's, it's a trick, right? But, but uh, your body is a machine. You need to know how to function, to, how to yeah. make it work. Yeah, I was talking to, this was about a year ago. I was talking to a friend of mine now. I met him actually on the podcast like this, and he's become a close a close friend of mine, and he is similar to you. I would say he's just fantastic at sales, it, it, just fantastic at it. And so he was actually helping me think through my business and like why I was having a hard time selling this part. And he's like, well, tell me about it. Tell me about this business, right? I started telling him about it. And uh, he said, Drew, yeah, what did he say? He said, do you speak French? And I said, no. And he goes, well, you don't speak the language of sales either. And I was like, Oh, what does that mean? And he goes, you're a great coach. You're a terrible salesperson. And I said, why? And he goes, because you say in 10 or 20 words what you only needed to say in one word. And he's like, that's the difference. You're excited and you're telling me all about this when you haven't done the work to condense it to the shortest thing possible. And you're not asking me questions, you know? And it just started, uh, uh, it was, and I still, I'm a, I'm a decent, I've gotten decent at doing sales, but it's still not great. And I just realized some of those things, like you said, like listening more than talking, being more in that psychology mindset rather than in the features and benefits and that kind of thing is, is really big. You only need to know what, what makes them tick. And once you know that, it's, it's an easy sell. Mm. Like if you figure out that, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm missing uh, marketing leads and you sell marketing leads and it's, it's not enough, right? But why do I miss marketing leads? How much do I spend? Who do I miss? Uh, people? Do I miss uh, platform? Do I miss what? What? What actually? What is actually wrong? 
Yeah. And if you ask all these questions, some people call it the five whys. Uh, I don't care about that. I care about, you know, digging out what people usually don't say, uh, you know, up front. Most people will not tell you their problems because they don't have any problems. Nobody has any problems, right, from the outside. Right. In order to get to understand the pain and the problem, you must, uh, uh, again, listen very carefully and ask the right questions. And, and, relay, and, and you know, it's, it's like a feedback loop, right? You gave me an answer. That's great. I'm going to ask another question that's going to bring me and you to the next step. Mm. It's an art. I know it's an art. Uh, yeah. But most people that wants to be salespeople can, can learn this art. It's not, it's not, it's not uh, being an astronaut. Hmm. I want to change gears just for a second because one of the things that I'm curious about is with you being uh, transient, I guess, meaning like sometimes you're you're in this part of the world, sometimes you're in this part of the world. How does that? How do you? How do you do that? Running a business? Where's are, are the is the business split in, in several locations? Um, how does that impact your your business? So the business is split through uh, from the Philippines to uh, San Diego, uh, Austin, and Tel Aviv. Uh, I have a lot of mornings, I would say. I have 8 a.m. in like several times a day. Uh, very much like being an astronaut again. Yeah. Um, I mean, you split your time in a very sophisticated way. I mean, at least in my case, I, I have my morning time that I'm trying to meditate and do stuff that is me time more than anything. I'm taking the kids to school and then, then it's me time. Then I'm having the Israel morning at 6 p.m. Israel time or 5 p.m. Right now is the 8 a.m. Pacific time, where it's the Pacific morning. Mm. And in between, we have the Philippines morning. Um, you need to have shorter meetings, like 25 minutes stops. Don't have meetings with too many people. It's, it's useless. Uh, if somebody does not contribute to a meeting, it shouldn't be there. It's just out of the meeting. It's easier with Zoom. You just kick them out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's, it's, I'm asking politely, but I mean... Uh, tr- trying to be very, uh, uh, very cautious about about time, because I, I I have less of a weekend. I guess I have one day less of a weekend because Friday is a working day in the U.S. and Sunday is a working day in Israel. So less uh, uh, less uh, you know free time. So how can you spend? How can you balance it in order to keep performing in a very you know uh, sharp way? Um, I'm doing stuff like going to the Israeli Midburn or Burning Man. It's called, in Israel, it's called Midburn, but uh, it's they a have one there stuff. too. Yeah, I just came back uh, a few days ago from there. We had a week, crazy week in the desert. So you do that to to decompress. Uh, so you do yeah. these, these things in order to, but the day to day is is absolutely nuts. Yeah, like 14, 16 hours uh, work day, easily. Uh, but again, I need to figure out me time. Me time is not just me, of course, me and my family to uh, to maintain. So middle of the day, I can take the kids to, I don't know, some kind of soccer, uh, you know, game or whatever. Yeah. Then I get back to school. Then I get back to, to work now. It's what we do right now is for me, it's work. It's like 9 a.m. and then 9 p.m. in Israel. Why do I do that? Because this is part of what you do as a CEO. You want to succeed. You have to sacrifice. If you're not willing to pay this price, don't run a company. It's yeah. not for you. Yeah, the thing that you're doing well, though, is sometimes I hear people acknowledge that first part, like, hey, I've got to sacrifice, but they don't acknowledge that for me to keep sacrificing, I've at least got to be smart and know where are the where are the things I need to recharge so that I can mm-hmm. keep giving 
and not eventually burn out. Sounds like a yeah, decompression is super important. Otherwise, you get burned out. Yeah. So, what are some of those things for you? You mentioned meditation in the morning, some family time. Are there, what are some other things that help you keep uh, running? I'm, I'm I'm jogging a lot. I mean, I'm doing uh, 10k's uh, a couple of times a week. Um, trying to have uh, even within the company some activities that uh, are not just work. So yesterday we had a ping pong tournament. Uh, with trophy and everything so trying to do that also within the company i mean you it's always you know thinking about myself how to decompress but you need to remember that your employees are, are stressed as well yeah how do you create activities that are taking them off their computer or off the stress or off the targets and goals that all, everybody have uh I, i'm i'm not painting anymore but i, I was painting a lot uh, oil mm. on canvas Again, any kind of meditation, uh, you know, it's like it's forms of meditation, I would call them. Uh, sports is one of them. Uh, real meditation is, is meditation. Yoga and any other, whatever, whatever does that for you is a meditation. I mean, even if it's just to speak to somebody is, is not related to your industry. Yeah. As long as you, it allows you to decompress and to rest your mind, this is exactly what you need to do a few times a week. What what do you what do you enjoy about the Burning Man experience? <laughs> uh, it's the creation. It's it's uh, it's very similar to a product. I would say you you plan like many many months before the launch, and suddenly you 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 create something from nothing. So mm -hmm. creating a city uh, in the desert in one day it's it's like forty eight hours, and suddenly you have a city of, of hundreds of art uh, works and hundreds and hundreds or even thousands in, in the Birmingham man it's like 70,000 people wow. of, of camps and I know it's like small small houses right with everything uh, is is uh, for me it's a phenomena and I'm trying to learn from the burning man and implement in real life I think that it's some sort of an utopia mm. uh, that people are there to create and give and love and and you know, forget about the, all the, the challenges in life. Yeah. And when you see so many people are doing the same thing, contributing to a city, uh, it makes you think why it's not like that in real life and how can I take this into real life? And how, how can I take this to a company? Yeah. Can I, can I implement some of these, you know, uh, unique values into, into my company? Probably, yes. Trying to do that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is what are the things that aren't temporary? You know, because some of it would just be temporary. Like, man, that was great in the moment to escape, to to be outside of my normal. But I also know there must be some things that transcend that because so many, so many tech icons are going to Burning Man for a reason. Google going there for a reason because they seem to have some mindset or paradigm shifts that stay with them that isn't just about the day or two they were out there. What are some of those things? Is it just changing the way that you may be reviewing the world or a situation that you find helpful? It allows you to take all your, all your challenges on the day-to-day -day and put them aside. It's, you don't forget about them, but it puts them into proportion. Like, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as I think. Yeah. Uh, it allows you to, as I mentioned, to decompress, to really decompress, to be in a different place and say, okay, I can finally breathe. I can finally breathe. Mm. Uh, and when you do that, uh, creativity starts to happen 
and you 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 become a better communicator with everybody. I, I went to the street, not in the street. I went to a store today. Somebody did something very nice today. I, I came to hug her, and, and and suddenly I realized that I'm not burning her anymore. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> but this is what this place is 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 uh, you know. Uh, well, that's actually empathy. It. That's like empathy and yes. compassion. You know exactly, exactly. Now there is a lot of music art and and all a bunch of things. I mean, you can you can yeah. take the good and the better from there. But th- what's really happening is like you care about people, in, not in a normal way that you would to strangers. Yeah. And and when you bring it to your real life, I mean, I think it it does well for everybody around you. And as a reflection, it does very well to you. If you're, you're smiling more. Yeah. If you're uncomfortable answering this question, you definitely don't have to. I'm just curious. Does I know often like psychedelics and things like that are enhance the experience or people, some go and use that, some don't. Have you found that to be useful for you or is that something that you have the experience without or? It's a good question. I'm, I'm not into psychedelics. I mean, it's not, it's not what I uh, believe in, but uh, I, I do understand why people are doing that. Uh, specifically over there, they, they, they want to experience it like 24 seven for a, for the entire week, yeah. and the only way to do that is, is using is using substances. Uh, I mean, there are many forms of substances. For me, it's actually meditation. I can actually yeah. get high from meditation. It's very rare, but over there, it happens to me all the time. Yeah. So if we can make it without any substances, great. If you need substances, I have no problem with that. Same. But I do believe that uh, the substances actually takes you to to a different level of, of recognition, of understanding, of seeing stuff that you usually would not see and it stays with you and that's what's important i mean even meditation or, or the burning in itself the experience why why people go back it stays with you it's like uh you told me about a very bad thing that happened to you it's it's a scar this is a bad scar a scar usually related to, to bad things what about scars that are good things that can it's like if I would take you to a place or a time that you felt really, really good at, will you get back there? You probably will. Uh, and, and this is what, what mm. these kind of things are doing to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I have the right chemical makeup to, to, to take those kind of drugs. <laughs> I think I would freak out on them. <laughs> so, uh, but I understand their place and how certain people, like you said, I think it, it, like, quickly opens them up to a certain place that is often very beneficial or cathartic or healing or creative. And often it does have that lingering effect of, especially there's some studies happening through Johns Hopkins with um, psilocybin, I think, that they're finding really useful for PTSD, recovering from PTSD and even handling like uh, end-of-life care where people have like terminal illness. And they're getting remarkable results where for six months to a year a person is just not afraid anymore they've embraced the end or you know they've overcome that trauma through war or whatever and i'm, I'm like man and that's the bigger and that's the bigger picture and that's the bigger picture if if you do it in the right way i guess yeah uh your your confidence yourself uh, uh your self-esteem gets so much better that that i mean it's worth everything that you know that you you do yeah. um i i think that i mean in the future, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very normal to do micro doses or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they just got to figure. Yeah, I think they're hopefully now that they're putting some actual studies into it and things like that. You could find safe ways 
to do this and you know whether you need to have a guide who's trained with you or maybe it's just a micro dose that is all you need for coupling with maybe therapy or something like that um but man uh, the other thing that was treat um treatment resistant depression you know people yeah. that that nothing is working with them for depression I'm like, man, I'm just excited that there might be something out there, you know, that could help some of these really big problems people are experiencing. But for the yeah, for the normal, bigger. for the not normal, no one's normal, but for the day <laughs> for for you and I, I also get excited that there's other ways. If I don't feel comfortable, you know, taking a hallucinogenic or something, that meditation, yoga, things like that, mindset, you know, self talk. Uh, even just opening yourself up to new experiences and art and things like that can also have similar type effects on you, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you just need to find your uh, your thing. Once you find it, just grab it and and you know go deeply and deeper and deeper into it, and and you have the same experience. I mean, it's like. Mm. Yeah, my one of my one of my best friends, his wife was talking about a certain type of yoga she's been doing recently, and she's like, two out of the three times, I'm crying the whole time. It's unbelievable. I'm like, really? She's like, she's like, I can't explain it. I don't know exactly what's happening. All I know is it's, that practice is touching something deep in me, and it's very healing. And I'm like, well, then keep doing it, man. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, that's so cool. All right. Well, we're already almost an hour in, so I want to make the most of your time. I'm going to get to our lightning round questions. Are you ready for those? Shoot. Awesome. So question number one, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would that message be? Life and work balance. How do you think about that? Everybody seems to have a slightly different take on life and work balance. How do you think about that? Um, it's more like uh, learn by example. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm not preaching what I'm not doing. So I'm, I'm going to leave work uh, early a few times a week. I'm going to take my kids to whatever we're doing together. I'm going to make sure everybody knows about it. So they will not feel uncomfortable not doing that. Mm. or when people are stressed and they don't have any me time during work I'm actually forcing them to have me time whether yeah. it's swimming, playing piano, ping pong or whatever I love that okay question number two what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business and also what was the worst advice <clears throat> best advice was that uh, opinions are like us everybody got one you need to have your own <sighs> bad advice wow so many. <laughs> <laughs> I would skip that question. I mean, okay. I, it's not, not going to contribute to anybody. <laughs> okay, great. Question number three. What currently causes you the most stress or worry leading your organization? Doubling the size of the company every year. Uh, it's not just revenue. It's everything. Uh, when you try to double every year, it gets harder and harder every year that goes by because you're getting bigger. Uh, this causes me less uh, uh, less sleeping hours, I guess. <laughs> that makes sense. That's rapid growth. Oh, uh, yeah. What is your current big audacious goal for the company? What are you hoping this thing is going to become? We want to make sure that field service teams uh, will, will struggle less with technology because consumers have a lot of requirements today starts with Uber, Airbnb, and when you get used to these experiences, this is what you demand from other services. Our goal is to, to reduce the amount of stress and not, not forcing them to be Airbnb in order to provide a service like Airbnb. Yeah, love that. All right, last question. It's a kind of fun, creative question. It'd be like a Burning Man question. So 
if you could hop into a DeLorean, you get to go back to the past. You're not there to change anything, but you do get to deliver a message to that younger version of yourself. When would you go back in your past, and what mess what message would you pass along to that younger version of you? I would go to me when I was in the fifth grade, and I will tell this boy that he doesn't need to be afraid of anything. Let's go. Awesome. I needed to hear that too. Fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. I need to hear that today. <laughs> I mean, I, I would want to hear. I would want to hear it that I, I I can be whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well said. Well said, my friend. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for going all over the map with me. Literally, we've covered so many different topics, and I found all of it fascinating and deeply helpful. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for being a guest here today. Thank you very much, sir. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.